Jojo Siwa sparks important conversations about sexuality, Zoella is dropped from media studies curriculum after a sex toy review, and an honest and unexpected chat about our journey with our own labels. You're listening to Media Slashies, Maggie and Jasmine, and this is Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this episode. We would like to pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This is our first episode we've recorded where we're in the same city and in the same time zone. Is this the first time ever or did we record a couple when you were in Melbourne? No, this is our first episode where we're in the same state. We're just a few kilometers away from each other, not in the same room. We haven't even seen each other yet. We've both no. been so busy. So I've been back in Melbourne for just over a week and yeah. How's it been? What have you been doing? Um, I went to the NGV last Monday, which was really nice to be back. Um, seen some friends for coffee, been out for dinner in the city. Uh, I've got my bike back, so I've been doing some bike On the weekend I went down to um, Pran and looked at some op shops and I bought a little picnic basket from an op shop for like $10. It's so cute, a little wicker basket with gingham inside. So, yeah, just like things, doing things that I've really been missing Mm. and enjoying and also obviously working in between that. But... I feel like the energy down here is so nice at the moment because you guys literally went through like hell this last year and everyone just seems so happy, like even if they're just doing so-called mundane things, like there's just such a nice energy and vibe around the city because people are out and about and everyone's happy to just be outside. It feel it reminds me a lot of like summers in the UK where you mm. go through like months of rain and horrible weather and spend so much time inside and then summer hits and everyone is like outside at every opportunity, like drinking in the parks and having fun with friends. So it's a really similar vibe. And I feel not, yeah, I feel quite lucky that I didn't have to go through the crap to like get <laughs> yes. I just like escape to Brisbane and then come back when it's okay. Um, so, yeah, it's been really, really nice. Yay. I, sorry, my voice. <laughs> sorry. So I'm so scared about my voice like cracking all the time. Well, your voice is tired because you've had the craziest weekend. We've barely even spoken in like days and days and days. Um, What have you been up to and can you share with us what's been going on? So over the weekend, I was part of a fashion film for Melbourne Fashion Week. Um, It was so fun, so exciting. So I was a model for iMakesTagram. Her name's Rachel Burke. She's based up in Brisbane, makes like the coolest art pieces, like lots of like like lots of color, tinsel, just like super like eclectic fun things. And there was also Eat Me Do and Squint Clothing, two other Melbourne-based like slow fashion brands and it was so cool I can't give too much away but there was we shot for 13 hours both days so I'm completely wrecked um I won't say too much but think I guess like whimsical forest vibes but not as you may think like oh maybe something's a little bit spooky Ooh. or something but that comes out like mid-march or something and it was so fun oh my goodness is it for um melbourne fashion festival 
Yeah, Melbourne Fashion Festival, that's what it's called. Um, I know. So I think it's instead of having like a physical fashion show, um, they're doing this instead just because of COVID and everything. So, oh, it was really cool. It felt like a different world because I'm just like kind of out in the forest, like, and everything it was really fun but also like hectic as like after the first day I came home with three because we were like barefoot basically all day I had three splinters in my feet I had three bull ant bites and my whole leg is like torn to shreds because I like fell in a thorn bush <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't I like I just walked straight into it I didn't even look so that's kind of my bad um and like I've got so many mozzie bites and like sunburn and everything so what happens when a city girl goes to the country <laughs> don't like it was so obvious it was so embarrassing there were a few country people just like shaking their heads at me um I'm, I'm such a princess and it didn't help I was like in like princessy dresses and I'm just like ah, on the ground I wasn't that bad but it was so lovely that's so exciting is there going to be a premiere yeah so um I think it is. So you can kind of buy a ticket and then you get like a bundle of cute things delivered to your door because it's in sponsorship with Frankie Magazine and Fluff Cosmetics. So you get like a little, little, little treats and then you can watch it at home for like the premiere. I don't think it's a physical one though. So That's so cool though. Oh my God, look at you go. So proud of you. I'm so glad there was no talking lines because I was like, if there was talking lines, <laughs> I would be so bad. <laughs> Have you worked on a film set before? Mm, no way it's so hard it's such hard work we had the coolest director though her name's emily um and they're from a small production company called nice films and it was like a really great vibe like everyone was like super friendly and it wasn't too like intimidating because like i'd barely done any like modeling let alone in a film setting so it was cool though when I was in my first year of uni, I worked as a runner for a production company in Melbourne. I got offered to work on the Montaigne music video, What You Mean to Me, and it was so cool. I was like, mm. I remember being so excited to like get Montaigne's, pick up her shoes and like oh deliver her salads and stuff. Um, but yeah, we were on the set as well. I was just there to like help out with anything that needed mm. to be done. And I think I was there for 12 hours, but mm. they were like the rest of the crew, like the director and everyone was working like 16, 18 hours. They had to work through the night because it was yeah. evening. And like I asked the director later, like when they got back and it was, you know, 5, 6 a.m. So like film shoots like that can be super grueling. And people think it's like it's such a glamorous like job. You just like get on the set or go out into the forest or whatever and shoot. But it's like there's so many people that go into that and so much post and everything. So mm. that's super cool that you got to experience that yeah like the behind the scenes of it because even if it's like a short music video like what you were working on there's just so much work that goes mm. into it yeah Oof. like a four minute music video and it's like hours and hours days and days of mm. like production so very exciting also is um cementing our tagline of being slashies <laughs> oh <laughs> true <laughs> I know it's so strange, but I am loving your hair as well. Was that a was that a nice transition? <laughs> but anyway, no. But your hair is looking so nice. So you've grown out your fringe a little bit more, giving us major Dakota Johnson vibes. Yeah. So I first um, got my harsh fringe like back in winter, um, and I'm kind of enjoying 
the longer look. I've gotten two compliments about like two comparisons to Dakota this week, which is like goals for me because I love her style so much. Um, I'm also trying to, I feel like it's a very grown up thing to like have the one salon you go to and the Uh. one place you get your eyebrows done and like where you get your nails done or whatever. If you're into those things, I don't go very often, maybe like twice a year. (laughs) Oh my God. No, I feel so called out because I've been wanting to get my brows threaded for ages now. And I always go to this place just because it's $10 (laughs) and you never know what you're going to get it either. So it's either like, oh yeah, that's good. Or like, oh God, no, but you pay $10. So I'm like, maybe I'll branch out and put more money into it. Oopsies. That stresses me out so much. My eyebrows are like so important to my face that I, my mom like instilled this fear into me because like she didn't touch her eyebrows till she was 18. Like we have Italian heritage, so like very thick eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And um, she didn't let me get them waxed till I was 14 and I used to get teased for them. And then when she finally let me get them waxed, she was like, you can only trust like you find someone that works and you just stay with them forever. (laughs) So I only get mine done at benefit um oh lovely so yeah anyway this has turned into like a little girly (laughs) beauty session session with jazz and mags anyway should we get into it like let's get into the actual thing where the listeners actually want to listen let's get into today's topics over the last few weeks child star jojo siwa has been dropping hints about her sexuality It all began on January 21st when Jojo posted herself lip-syncing the lyrics to Lady Gaga's Born This Way. Now, I saw this live on my For You page and a lot of people in the comments were taking this as confirmation of her coming out. But in my head as well, given that Lady Gaga had performed at the presidential inauguration just one day earlier, um, it could have been posted in support of of her gay fans, just in support of Lady, Lady Gaga herself. So, yeah, there was a bit of buzz on the internet and the confirmation was confirmed two days later when Jojo shared an image on Twitter of her wearing a shirt saying, best gay cousin ever, with the caption, my cousin got me a new shirt. Did you see this all happening on the internet? Um, So, actually, I didn't see too much about it. I feel like she's aimed for people younger than us. And I kind of saw it all unraveling after it was kind of more confirmed because everyone's like, oh, like what's happening? Um, just kind of speculating with these sort of things, with these little hints. Um, but for those who don't know, so Jojo is a 17 year old American dancer, singer, actress, and YouTube personality. And she's known from being on Dance Mums. I've never seen Dance Mums. Have you? No, I've seen clips from it, um, mostly on TikTok as well, um, of. Jojo and Maddie Ziegler, Ziegler was also yeah. on Dance Moms. So I think it was like, I think we just kind of missed it in terms of we were too old to watch it for the children and then we're not in that world. I don't know. I just wasn't interested in it. Um, but, yeah, now she's turned into this, like, massive child star and child entertainer. Like, she rakes in millions of dollars. She's got product endorsements. Um, she's super upbeat and positive. And is also obviously very colourful, wears big bows. So, yeah, she's kind of been in like the child zeitgeist, I feel like, Mm. for the last few years. And now from TikTok, but especially now that she's um, come out, I think a lot more people from like other generations are finding more about her out. What? Finding out more about her. (laughs) 
No, that's it. Um, lol, like the only reason I kind of know her or like the first time I watched her content was because she did a video with Emma Chamberlain, another kind of child star, to be honest, which is weird to peg because I think a lot of celebrities or just, um, I guess, social figures are just young. Even last week we were talking about Olivia Rodrigo, who is 17 years old, and it I mean, we kind of talked about her age, but it's almost just like a, oh, yeah, that's kind of the norm. Like we think about even like people from our childhood, like, you know, um, with a side fringe. The other Jojo, as in. Jojo, yeah. Yeah, the get out, leave Jojo. And Delta, is that her name? Am I saying that really bad? Jojo. No, it was good. It's just funny that we call it the get out, leave Jojo. So, like, even growing up with, okay, Delta Goodrum was, like, a star at, like, 14. Um, Even Billie Eilish nowadays and whatnot, I think we expect a lot of people to excel when they're really young, but we sometimes forget that they are children. Like, Mm. I almost forgot JoJo. This JoJo, JoJo Siwa, is a child um, because she is so famous. What a Mm. tangent. What a tangent. Yeah, I think the age thing is also making this a very interesting topic because in a follow-up Instagram live, she spoke about labels and how she is very young still and she hasn't figured herself out yet, which is to be expected when you're 17 years old. So she says, somebody asked, what label are you? You know, I've thought about this and the reason why I'm not ready to answer is because I don't really know this answer. I think humans are awesome. I think humans are really incredible people. I right now am super duper happy and I want to share everything with the world. I really do. But I also want to keep things in my life private until they're ready to be public. But right now, what matters is that you guys know that no matter who you love, it's okay and that it's awesome and that the world is there for you. So sweet. Like Mm. to say that when you're one, 17 in the first place, but for like an audience of literally millions and millions of people is so brave. And I also think it's so important because she's a minor, but she's also a children's entertainer. So she has a lot of stake Mm -hmm. in what parents think of her as well. And I'm sure, sadly, a lot of parents will be reconsidering whether they'll let their children consume her content because they're homophobic. Um, and that would have been something that her that she would have had to seriously think about like before doing this. And the mm. fact that she's just done it is awesome. Did you see the um comment she made on one of someone on her post said, I'm never letting yeah. like my children listen to you ever again? And she just said, Okay. With an exclamation yeah. mark. Cool. Okay. Like still chirpy. And that's so hard. I think um I think Almost no matter what age you are, I think the thing is when we're growing up, you know, we posted a tweet that was like, remember being 16 and thinking 23-year-olds have their life together, lol. I think it's so true. I don't think there's this age where it suddenly clicks where you know who you are. Like I'm very much still figuring out who I am. And um, I think addressing that can be a positive. I really like how she was quite confident in her answer being like, hey, no, I'm still figuring it out. Um, One thing I didn't actually know which sounds silly, it was like LGBTQI+. The Q stands for questioning. Did you know that? No, I thought it was queer. So it actually, it stands for both. But when you first Google it, what it comes up for me is it says questioning, um, questioning or queer. And I think that is so important to make space for that gray area. 
Yeah, I think that is so true. And I remember being on Tumblr like in the late 2010s and there was so much like stress around labeling. It even came down to like micro labeling. And I think that Mm. that culture was super toxic um, when we were still trying to figure out like um, coming out on the internet and that whole subject. So I think, yeah, it's awesome that she hasn't been like, I am gay or I am bisexual. Like she's just like, I'm in this space and that's fine. And this is who I am. But one thing I think that social media has done is normalizing the fluidity and acceptance with sexuality. Yeah, so for sure. I read this BuzzFeed article by Lauren Strapagil and in it she said, On TikTok, queerness is discussed in ways I never saw as a teen. There seem to be a million more ways to identify, capturing both hyper-specific desires and the grey area where you're not quite sure. And there's flexibility. I've seen TikToks about young people who came out as one thing, then again as something else, and then maybe choose a different label later on. And it's okay. The comments tell them that it's fine. People change. Knowing yourself is a journey, not a destination. And I think that kind of is almost feels like a burden lifted. Like you don't have to like, you know, label yourself in any sort of way. And I think there is less pressure on that. And I think there is more discourse about not having to come out as well. Mm. This is getting super personal now, but that's something that I've been thinking about a lot during like the last year. And TikTok definitely like helped me with that in that I don't identify with being heterosexual anymore. I definitely feel like in a more broad space and like I think with the rise of the internet and like community spaces um, and because of the work and activism of queer people who have come before our generation, we don't feel, well, I know that I don't feel the need to like tell people and like I haven't like come out to anyone because I don't feel that I need to anymore and I think but, you know, I hold a lot of privilege in different, like, categories. Um, I think that that is, like, the new frontier of, like, the internet and LGBTQI plus spaces. Like, I hope that if I have children that that they will love whoever they want and they won't need to come to me, like, with a handshaking, like, feeling that they need to tell me that, you know, they love someone of the same gender. Um because mm. it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't just assume that everyone is always straight um, mm. until they tell you otherwise. So, yeah, I think that's a, a definitely like a big Gen Z thing as well is the lack of labels and the fluidity, and I think that's really awesome. Mm. Thanks for sharing, Jazz. Um, <laughs> no, like, like, oh, my God, Maggie. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, no. <laughs> as in, like, I just, nah, as in, like, oh, my God. Uh, I, just, uh, I don't know how to uh, – because, okay, okay, one, like, that was, like, a really beautiful way of putting it and, like, I really appreciate you sharing that and stuff. And, like, two, like, oh, my God, why am I getting emotional? Because, like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get emotional right now. But, like, oh, babe. Oh, my God. <sighs> you Okay. Yeah. Um, like for sure I think like this part this past year I've really been like questioning like my own identity, mm-hmm. um, and really been grappling with like who I am, especially in terms of my sexuality. And it's been like really scary and like I think there's like 
you know, of course, like I am very pro LGBT, very much in support of everybody. And I really, 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 really bloody believe that. So when I felt these really like insecure emotions about like who I potentially might be or like, you know, who I might be like attracted to, I felt quite not uneasy about it, but like, I don't know. And I think, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm saying at the moment, but, um, yeah yeah it's hard yeah yeah and I think um I think for me I think there's a lot of like ingrained like biphobia and like that sort of stuff that just very much seeps into the way you you think even if you don't think that way I don't I can't describe it like logically obvious oh no I totally know know what you mean because you and I are both in relationships with men, right? And mm. I've only ever been in relationships with men. Um, so I've been very biphobic towards myself in that I haven't ever spoken about this to many people. Like mm. I don't feel like I should be taking up space in this space mm. <laughs> um, mm. because, yeah, like I said before, I feel like I do hold a lot of privilege. But, you know, everyone's journey is different and, um, I think that's what, this is why what Jojo is doing is so important because it's just like, you don't have to define yourself and you don't have to be like, mm. I'm Maggie and I'm this age and I'm this sexuality and this is what mm. I do. Like, let's just all just be who we are and like, we can evolve all the time, like every day, every mm. week, you don't have to like wake up and think the same thing just because you've said something else in the past as well. So, yeah, that's super yeah, brave of you for sure. um, to, like, share that emotion. There was a couple things that really um, helped me, I guess, process this. So the reason why I was kind of – I mean, TikTok <laughs> really helped, but also this lovely lady I follow on Instagram, Maya Stewardson. So she is so multifaceted. She's, like, an actor. She's got her own podcast called The Social Distance Pod, and she had a few – um, episodes that really bloody stood out for me. So one where she interviewed TikTok star um, Samantha Andrew, who also went to the same school as me, um, and she's also bi, so they're both bi, and um, they had a really great bloody honest chat about it. And I think another follow-up episode, let me just get the name of it. Yeah, so actually the episode I am thinking about is called Maya and Sam versus Biphobia. They talk about bi-erasia and also they get a few listeners to kind of talk about their experiences. Um, And I think it was very reassuring and really nice to hear conversation about like the gray area or Mm -hmm. I guess not being like not exactly knowing who you are or like figuring out yourself. So yeah, that was a really great episode. Mm, totally. In their um, BuzzFeed article, they also pointed out a 2017 study that found that one third of Gen Zs don't identify with being heterosexual. You know, it's such like a hunt. Like I hate, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm indecisive. I'm not a hundred percent anything. I'm never sure about anything. <laughs> so yeah, I just feel like having those labels are just so kind of stilting and they're mm. so boxed in. Anyway, I feel like people have these, like we all know this stuff, I feel, like in our heads, but sometimes it's just, yeah. Wow. We did not expect this uh, when we decided we were going to talk about JoJo. But I think it's good. It's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, we didn't expect all that to come out on a podcast, but we want to be honest and vulnerable and, you know, say how we feel on this podcast. So I think that the fact that Jojo has made us as like two 20-something-year-olds have this conversation Mm. is really important and um, I think that she's doing good work to also tell the younger kids, you know, 10, 11-year-olds that – you don't have to figure yourself out when you're super young. You don't have to figure yourself out at all. Um, and that you can be um, a massive superstar and like the same sex. And obviously a lot of that work has been done by activists and artists in the past. You know, lots of queer artists, of course, have come have been around for decades. But the fact that mm. she's a children's entertainer I think is a new frontier and good for her. We love you, Jojo. We are now Jojo stands. <laughs> On the topic of sexuality, YouTube star Zoe Sugg, aka Zoella, has been dragged by the British tabloids for promoting sex toys on her website. First up, were you ever a Zoella fan? I was never a huge fan. I do remember watching her videos, but I was in year 11, 12 when she was like massive. Um, I wasn't all that into YouTube. I was more of a indie Tumblr bitch. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I remember watching like some of her makeup videos and um, with the whole group, I don't like Alfie and everyone. Yes. So, yeah, I know who they are. I know what they do. But, yeah, were you a big Zoella fan? I feel like you. I could imagine you like watching all of her videos for some reason. Oopsies, embarrassing, um, <laughs> embarrassing moment coming up. I've been watching her for the past six years. Like I, <laughs> I watch her now. I still watch her and I never even watched it in her like glory days. Um, yeah. That's embarrassing. Very, not embarrassing. A kind of off brand though, hmm. I think. But um, I do really like her content and Alfie Days, her partner's content. Um, a lot of people really hate them. That's the thing. Um, and I can see why sometimes, but anyway, I, I get a lot of joy mm. from their content. So I'm going to watch that. So anyway, back to it. Yeah. So back in January, in the middle of January, um, the sex toy review went up on her website, Zoella. It caused a little bit of fuss when it was released. People were like, oh my God, Zoella's promoting sex toys, but it kind of died down pretty quickly. But last week, last couple of days, it's made the news again because she's been taken off the Media Studies GCSE exam board in the UK. So the GCSEs, if you don't know, are the exams you take when you're 16. So kind of like our equivalent of like year 10 exams. So yes, they basically removed all mention of Zoella off the exam curriculum because the material wasn't suitable. So to quote, they released a statement and they said, GCSE Media Studies includes analysis of online and social media and we added Zoella in 2017. At the time, all her content was appropriate for teaching, but some of Zoella's recent content is aimed specifically at an adult audience and isn't suitable for GCSE students. As a result, we've removed the section on Zoella from the course and we've contacted our schools and colleges to let them know. Lol. Lol, because the exam, well, one, Zoe has said herself she didn't even know that she was on the GCSE board. Like she didn't know she was being used for exams. Um, Also, Mm. it's not like they're actually being like, look at this analysis of a sex toy review and like find the metaphor in the, like, 
you know <laughs> there's just one article on her website that she didn't even write like her team wrote mm-hmm. it so yeah in response on like especially british influencer space this weekend there's been a lot of um talk about this zoe responded herself via instagram saying at zoella we are a team of women who all share a joint passion for other women and subjects relating to this we want to talk about taboo subjects, have conversations with experts, ask those less heard to use their voice, and try and have a really varied range of topics to help inspire or make people feel less alone. Things I wish I'd known as a teen myself. Our main demographic is women aged 25 to 30, and naturally, as I have got older, my audience has grown up too, and the things I want to share or shine a light on have naturally aged up to suit my lifestyle alongside the rest of the team too. Although the AQA, the exam board, very clearly didn't research the website, they would have seen the content was much more mature. We've written about masturbation before, period sex, revenge porn, and fertility, just as a small example. It worries me that they think that 16-year-olds aren't exploring their own bodies, doing this with someone else, or know what a sex toy is. Zoe herself is 30 years old, you know. Um, I watch her videos. A lot of her audience is skewed older. And also it's very interesting. They're like, oh, Zoe doesn't post inappropriate content. She does. She's been like regularly like swearing on her channels or like being quite like silly and inappropriate and whatnot. So it just feels like so unnecessarily like Orwellian, (laughs) which is a little bit dramatic of me, but like – it's almost like they've kicked up a fuss about not like nothing much because, you know, it's one article, you know, people would have to kind of dig for that. And I think they brought it up because a few parents complained, but I don't know, like it's media studies. You study like the internet, you see a lot of distressing content on the internet. I just studied media. We watch like children of men where there's like intense, um, like, like there's like a birth scene and there's like, it's in a, it's set in a war or whatever. So I don't know, people like 16 year olds. Yes. They may be young. Yes. We were talking about like child stars shouldn't be treated as full-on adults before but also like don't be naive they still have bodies they have desires they have um thoughts <laughs> you know we can't shelter and coddle them so much especially when it's in an educational institution where you know experts and teachers should be the ones guiding through how to like properly navigate them mm. I'm not saying that your PE teacher should be like this is a dildo <laughs> like that would I be I mean no but we but we did do that sex education, hey? Did you get told what a dildo was in sex education? Uh, we didn't have we talked about masturbation, and we didn't have like anything on female pleasure. Mm. It was like oh, I think we've spoken mm. about this before. I think we spoke about this with yeah. Lily Allen, the um, yeah, yeah, Reddit collaboration. So we won't go into it again. But yeah, my our sex education was very like this is how a baby's made. This is how to put a condom on. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is such a. F- put up such a fuss over in the UK and um, I also think it relates to how with people like child stars and people on the internet as well and especially women they're kind of always seen as like the age they were when they achieved mega fame Um, Mm. I'm trying to think who else would be a good example okay Miley Cyrus for example Mm. when she was obviously a child star and then when she came out with the um dma wrecking ball Ball. even before that even when she did the can't be tamed and she did a vanity Mm. fair shoot when she was 16 and she had like a sheet over her front and her bare back showing 
everyone lost their minds. Like, it's like if you achieve fame when you're under 18, then you can't be seen as like anywhere near sexual or that you've grown up into a woman. You're just like crucified for it, especially with women. Mm. Um, so I wonder if that's that moment. But I'm really happy for Zoella to have spoken out rather than just being like, oh, whatever. I didn't even know I was on the example. It doesn't matter. The fact that she's used this moment to like advocate for young women to like learn more about themselves and just say to people, especially the exam board, which I'm guessing are made up of older people, uh, older men, <laughs> um, that teenage girls like are exploring their sexuality and like that's mm-hmm. fine and you shouldn't, yeah, demonize someone or censor someone basically for um, for that. Mm. And I understand sometimes the concern can be of like sexualizing young underage people. Like for instance, actually, I'm not familiar with that Miley Cyrus um, photo, but if she was like 16, it I I do kind of understand. Um, I guess the concern there because you know she is still a child, but when it's more of like an educational thing where it's just kind of talking openly and honestly about like masturbation or sex toys like that's not the same thing you know it's not I don't know I think it can get murky with sexuality when people think I don't know how to put this into words um are you talking about the difference between being like learning about sexuality and being sexualized yes yeah which I think is a real worry for teenage girls as well like for example when you google schoolgirl it's full of like women dressed in schoolgirl uniforms and you mm. google schoolboy and it's like cartoons of literal schoolboys so yeah that's a whole different subject yeah and I just don't want people mm. to conflate the two especially in an instance like this right with like Zoella because we and we are not sexualizing young people we are just mm. I guess giving them the tools to explore their own sexuality most likely in the private or their own home or with you know someone like getting internet in, in <laughs> intimate with someone um it's not the same as sexualizing them and I think mm. that's I think that's the distinction I want to make. Yeah, that's such a good distinction. So to tie it all together, having personalities like Jojo Siwa and Zoe Sugg talk quite openly and honestly about taboo subjects like sexuality and sex toys hopefully um, just helps us normalise these conversations and, you know, rid the shame that surrounds them. Jasmine, do you want to get us started? What are you recommending this week? So I've had a bit of a busy week considering I've moved interstate and have been seeing friends and family. But on the weekend, I did watch Just Mercy on Netflix. Have you seen this? No, I haven't even heard of it. So it's based on a true story and it came out in 2019. And it's a film about Walter McMillan, who, with the help of a recent law graduate from Harvard, Brian Stevenson, overturns his murder conviction so it's set in the late 80s early 90s in alabama which is obviously a state in america's deep south that has a very brutal history with racism so for context within the movie it was a slave state and that enacted the jim crow laws which is basically the racial segregation laws to discriminate against african-american people all over the country but um you know especially in alabama 
So the effects of those laws are still felt today. So in context of the movie, Walter McMillan was an African-American man who was framed for the murder of an 18-year-old white woman, Rhonda Morrison, in 1986. Um, The story goes that Walter... um, kidnapped a white man he then went to the laundrette in the middle of the morning and just shot dead this 18 year old white woman like that's what the police said he did um so brian stevenson is also an african-american man who moves down to alabama trying to get people off death row when looking at walter's trial um he's on death row for this murder he sees multiple errors in the trial that will prove walter's innocence So it's um, a very tough film to watch in parts because obviously it's dealing with racism, death row, the prison system um, in the States and white supremacy in general. But being based on a true story, it is super amazing to hear what happened to them. Um, It stars Jamie Foxx as Walter and then Michael B. Jordan as Brian and then Brie Larson is Brian's legal operator, Eva Ansley, who was also a real woman. Yeah, so it's just, so it's kind of also a timely movie in the way that this is still happening today. And also just last month, in the final days of Trump's presidency, he rushed through a number of federal executions, which broke a 130 year old precedent of pausing death row executions when there's a presidential transition. So normally they just don't go ahead and they wait for the next president to come into power. But Trump was just rushing through people, which is just absolutely awful. Mm. Um, And that made Trump the president with the most executions carried out in his term in more than a century. So really dark stuff. And these issues are still being felt today in those communities, obviously. So I would definitely recommend that for historical background of the state and the prison system and just for a beautiful story even though it's such a heavy movie do you think it's still a little bit like uplifting or is there any I guess good I mean I don't want to spoil anything um there is some justice in the end but I think it's sad because this is still going on yeah thanks for mentioning um the information about Trump's presidency because I had no idea about what he did um, in terms of the execution. So, yeah, that's very harrowing to find out. Mm. Yeah, and um, through the Brian Stevenson's, um, like, justice organisation, they've gotten a number of people off death row in the past 30 Mm. years. So, like, that's very nice to hear that that can happen. But President Biden has said he will seek to end the death penalty as well. So, I think that's the reason why Trump was just like killing people, which is just disgusting. Um, So hopefully there will be some improvement in the States. What do you recommend to us this week? So I am recommending this article called, Yes, Your Honest Mix-Up is Racially Biased. And that was written by Rena Kupta for Kill Your Darlings. So I actually found this article in a Facebook group called Young Australian Writers when someone pointed out um, Time Out, which is a publication, their mistake of cropping out a BIPOC actor from a photo and either misspelling or misattributing their name. So this piece asks, why are certain people, names and countries afforded a level of care that others are not? 
How do ingrained biases shape what we focus our attention on? So as a disclaimer, I am horrible at pronouncing some words and some people's names, but I also try to do my due diligence and, you know, look up interviews with people's names to try as best as I can to get them right. But I do acknowledge I still stuff up. I don't know what it is about me reading aloud, but Oh my goodness, I stumble across all my words. So this article looks at a few instances. So the first one that they pull out is um, in 2019, Who magazine published an interview with Adut Akech with the image of another black supermodel. And then just a few months later, they confused Venus Williams, you know, arguably one of the most famous tennis players of our time with a 15-year-old tennis player. Um, so that's great. So embarrassing. So I'm just going to read out a little extract from the piece. Any suggestion that these mix-ups are steeped in racism is usually quickly shut down by our most dedicated media stalwarts. If a person of colour voices their concerns about racism, we are assured that they are overreacting. It was a mistake, sure. An unfortunate error, an administrative gaffe. Not everything is about race, we are told. Mistakes happen, after all. But often missing from these conversations is the varying levels of care. The attention to detail that we give to names, people and places is no way random or incidental. Certain people, places and names get treated with a level of precision that others are not. And it's impossible to separate those varying levels of care from the power structures that we all inhabit. Care is effort, editors Eleanor Gomez and Rosie Isaac Wright. It is a loaded word. Attention requires care, as does our navigation of the world and our relationships within it. But care is also political, racialized and gendered. Yeah, I just wanted this as a reminder for writers and those who are involved in these spaces that I think this level of care shouldn't be underestimated and this level of like detail um you know, it should be included in fact-checking and this shouldn't be something that we kind of forget or not care about as much. Yeah, I agree. I love that last quote, attention requires care, as does our navigation of the world and our relationships within it. And I think that's why people get so up in arms about like when people put their pronouns in their bio or I think there's been a lot of discourse on the internet this week as well, especially in the UK because – there were some Love Island stars, Lucy, who is white, and um, Yawande, who is a black woman. Yawande said her name a couple of times and Lucy said, oh, that's too hard. What's your nickname or something? Oh, anyway. The amount of time. Yeah, no, that's very important. Um, for instance, when I'm interviewed for something, I do really appreciate when people check how to pronounce my name. I think that's really – it's it's not a disrespectful thing. I think it's kind of awkward sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, how do you say your name? But I think – giving that extra level of detail and care Mm. is better than, you know, butchering someone's name. And I am definitely guilty of like sidestepping someone's name just because I don't want to incorrectly pronounce it. But I think that can be like that silence can also speak volumes as well. Mm. Um, Even just a polite, oh, how would you like, sorry, I just, I don't know exactly the best way to word it, but like, oh, sorry, just checking. How do you prefer your name to be said or something like that? You know, I don't think that's, too awkward unless you're asking every time you see them or something mm, yeah agreed well I'm looking forward to reading that piece it sounds super interesting I also saw that thread on young Australian writers yeah. and it's just such poor journalism basically mm, exactly 
All right. Well, this has been like a very unexpectedly intense episode. Mm. Yeah, we hope that you enjoyed it. Our DMs are always open, of course, if anyone else wants to share anything. But otherwise, we will see you on the internet and be in your ears next week. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you could give us a little rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. And thank you again for tuning in. Bye. Bye.